Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man that if you have a Google alert set to his name, you most likely get an email every other hour. Whether it be him being accused in New Jersey of making terroristic threats, charges stemming from an, all, an incident with an Uber driver, which he has since been cleared of, a municipal court complaint in Linden, New Jersey, accusing him of running an illegal rooming house. Then there's his brand new set of teeth. And then, of course, we have him taking classes with, with a Chabad rabbi, Shmuley Metzger, in New York. And I'm sure once the uh, Mueller report comes public, we'll find out that he's the guy who set up the whole Trump Tower meeting. But tonight, he joins us to talk about the allegations made from a former teammate in a new book. It's always a pleasure, always an adventure to have him here on Sports Talk New York, the one and only Lenny Dykstra. Welcome, Nails. Hey, I love the Trump Tower angle. I love it. <laughs> so, you know, well, is it true? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Maybe. <laughs> so for those of you who are not aware of the story, former Mets pitcher and current Met broadcaster Ron Darling has a new book, 108 Stitches, Loose Threads, Ripping Yarns, and the Darnest Characters from My Time in the Game. Page 37 and 38, Darling puts Lenny in his crosshairs. But unless you have the book, that's only a small part of, of what the attack has actually been. So let's start it off with Lenny. Your book, all right, page 55, you had this to say about Ron. Darling was a number two starter, living proof that you could have a successful career without much stuff. What he lacked in talent, he made up with his preparation and knowledge of opposing hitters. He wasn't overpowering, but he could throw three pitches for strikes, and that's what matters when you're in a pennant race. I wasn't close to Darling, but I wasn't alone in that respect. He wasn't close with many people, he was, but he always treated me with respect. I am happy to see him flourish in the booth as a baseball announcer. So, you know, you were respectful of him in your book. Didn't, you know, there's no other passages about Darling in your book, no dirt about you know, him in the book at all. You and I spoke a lot this week, and I texted, texted several of your teammates and spoke to them as well. They all seem to have the same opinion about Ron. How would you describe Ron as a teammate and how he was perceived in the clubhouse and what his nickname was among the teammates? Well, I mean, look, the, the bottom line is, is he took the ball every fifth day and he kept us in, in the game. But, I mean, he was kind of a loner, though. He was kind of, you know, he had that Yale uh, – that Yale whole like era, you know, like uh, like a little bit better than. And, and again, I, I don't want to throw stones, but that was that's just the reality of it. And I kind of call it like it is, and you know, unlike Darling, who thought he could get away with uh, throwing men to the bus, and he just picked the wrong guy to go to war with, you know. <laughs> so, before we get to the excerpt that's made a lot of news. Here's what you would actually find on page 37 of 38 of Ron Darling's book, if you have it. It starts off, the hero of Game 3 for us was also the a-hole of the game. Lenny Dykstra, one of baseball's all-time thugs. You know how there always seems to be a guy in every organization, every walk of life, who gets away with murder? Murder being figurative term in this case. That was Lenny. He was a criminal in every sense, although in his playing days, his crimes were mostly of an interpersonal nature. He treated people like S, walked around like his S didn't stink, and generally was an S head. Uh, human being being just about the... But he was also the most confident, cockiest player I would ever encounter. Now, none Believe of, that. Believe <laughs> that. Now, none of this has been printed in, in the excerpts that were released prior to the book coming out. When you hear that from your teammate, 
What's the first thing that goes through your mind? Well, I mean, look, a couple things. Number one, I, I don't think, like, nobody's recalled that Sterling sat on the board when I had my magazine, The Players Club, okay? <laughs> so um, then I did an interview with Darling, like a really long uh, piece where it was a one-on-one before when I, when I released my book. So, like, he, he literally Pearl Harbor me and, and the team and the organization and the fans when, again, you know, it all comes down to one thing, ego. Um, I mean, I've written the book. I know what, what you have to go through. You don't make money writing books. So at the end of the day, Ron's ego is what's going to be the downfall of him. So give me a minute to set this up because, I, you know, I feel sometimes that I have to make the case. because when it, and, and I put this poll up on Facebook. And, I, you know, we have a pretty big following on Facebook. And I asked, which do you believe? And believe it or not, it came 60% 6139. 61.39, okay? Yeah. So let me set this up. Page 38 continues in Darling's book. Lenny was on the on-deck circle shouting every imaginable, unimaginable insult and expletive in his direction. Foul, racist, hateful, hurtful stuff. I don't want to be too specific here because I don't want to commemorate this dark, low moment in Mets history that way. <laughs> but I will say that it's the worst collection of taunts, insults I've heard Worse unbending than anything Jackie Robinson might have heard his first couple of times around the league. This stuff coming out of Lenny's mouth was beyond the pale, unprintable, unmentionable, unforgettable. Now, your book tells a different story about that at bat. Page 69 from your book. Dennis Oilcam Boyd was on the hill for the Red Sox. I actually told my wife before the game that I was going to try and go yard with one of Oilcan's garbage batting practice fastballs in my first at bat. No mention of any bench jockeying in your book. Page 239 of Davey Johnson's book describes you getting Game 3 started by giving your guys the first lead in the series. And he says, after that, a few guys were riding Boyd pretty good from the bench, yelling out things like S-can instead of oil can. It was just the kind of normal, harmless, bench-jocking stuff that had gone on in baseball for decades. So a couple of questions here. Why do you think of all the games, all the players that Ron Darling could have picked that he zeroed on this particular game and you? Okay, well, it goes back to this. If you look at what the, the targets he picked, he went after Carter, who's dead. went after Murphy, who's dead. went after Elster, who's uh, I don't know where he is. But, but the bottom line is he saw me as an easy target, a soft target, and thought that people would just, like, accept it and believe it. But at the, at the end of the day, it comes down to, to facts and, and reality. And the reality is never once in my career, okay, and you're talking about a guy that had a lot of at-bats and then played, you know, 12 years in the big league. Um, again, never one time in my career did I ever shout anything towards a pitcher from the on-deck circle, ever. And especially at that time. I'm 23 years old, man. I'm a kid, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate to get a hit. So I, I wouldn't have time to say all that stuff that he said. So let me, let me play prosecutor. This is a flat-out lie, okay. bottom line. So, lie. Lenny, did you, do, did you ever do any sort of bench shocking? Not really. I wasn't that kind of guy, man. I didn't do it. I, I, I mean, in the box is different, you know. I mean, I have my own little deal going on in the box between the catcher and the umpire. But as far as, like, yelling out to the pictures, pictures, especially on deck circle, that's like, I mean, what he did is he made up a story. And, and the problem now is, yeah, he has to live with that, okay? And, and, and there's consequences for that because he is the voice of millions and millions of listeners, okay? And that being said, when you tell a story like that that's so crazy and, and so out there after all of the different books that have been written about that club and all the crazy things that have happened, this is just like, this is beyond reproach. It's like, 
And again, like I said, there's consequences for that. And I think at the end of the day, Mondarin loses his job for this. So let, let me ask a couple more questions. So you, you didn't do any bench shocking, but it was right. Could it be, let, let's give him a slight half-second benefit of that that he's not making it up totally. So could it be a case of mistaken identity? Could it be well, somebody no, else's voice? Well, no, he is, he is making it up totally, totally. Because remember what he said. So I have to disagree with you there. Okay. Because remember what he said. He said that it was because of my taunting from the on-deck circle, I shook up oil can Boyd, which led to him uh, throwing a meat fast on me hitting a home run. So oil can Boyd, on the other hand, says, I didn't hear anything. So right from, from Jump Street, it's a, it's a lie. Right. So, so here's the other thing. So, so listen, 33 years have passed. You mentioned numerous books have been uh, you know, written about it. Never has this ever come up by anyone. You know, uh, Eric, and people, if they're watching on the, the Sportscaster app, they'll see the books in front, right. which I made sure I went through every one of these books and, and looked at, you know, to find anything, and I couldn't. And, and full disclosure here, all right, Ron Darling was nice enough to grant me an interview for Howie Carpenter, my kindness corner book. He's been on the show. I don't have any relationship with him other than, you know, when I'm at the ballpark, he says hi, I say hi. Lenny's been on this show many times. I speak to him fairly often. Even with all the crazy stuff Lenny does, I like the guy a lot. So I'm a little biased towards Lenny. Okay. But I think I'm pretty fair and open-minded. I watched the game, all right, with a very open mind. You watch it now. Now, you know, you're, you're okay. playing devil's advocate. Okay, okay. Hold I'm on, playing, hold I'm on. Playing. I'm saying you listen, watch listen. what's been recorded. But okay, go okay, ahead. Okay, right. But what what's been at? recorded is, is Oil Can's full yeah. warm-up. Full okay. warm-up, all right? From, from Oil Can's point of view, Gedman's point of view, and from behind. Cam Cam camera never breaks away from any of them. It does, but all right. Okay, but there, there are parabolic mics on the field throughout the entire time. You can hear the ball hitting Gedman's glove, and you can hear it being returned in hitting, you know, okay. Oil Can's glove. Not once does Gedman turn his way. Not once does Oil Can turn his way. Not once does Harry Windelstadt turn his way. Bill Robinson runs past. Now that means Bill Robinson was near Lenny. Now I, I don't know Bill Robinson well, what, at all. Well, what about Backman and, and right. Backman? Backman called my son. Um, the day after this happened, which I, I didn't even know he did, my son called me, and he wanted to make sure my son knew that that Ron was was making up stories and it was a complete lie. And by the way, nobody, not one single person, has collaborated or stood behind Ron Darling. And if they do, they're lying. Okay, so so that's the problem. When you lie, you got to hope other people lie for you or with you, and it's not going to happen. So there, so there's there's a code. Basically, you know, there's some things nice. that don't come out. And clearly, Ron Darling has violated the code here. Well, that's not even a code. I mean, when you make up a lie, I mean, <laughs> a code is like when you get, even you if, get even when if you chase women on the road yeah. or you do drugs, you know, like everything stays in the clubhouse. But making up lies, I mean, that's a whole different level, especially in an area that's so sensitive as this. So, Lenny, this is your friend Ryan. Uh, <laughs> your driver. Your driver. <laughs> No, not driver, up, friend. Ryan? Hey, how you doing, Lee? So it's uh, been an interesting week, right, up and down. There's been, I know you've done a lot of interviews, but what has it meant to you to get the support from your teammates in a week where one of them divides a team that is so iconic in Mets history to get the support from those guys? Well, I mean, look, here's the deal. Darling was always kind of a, a loner, kind of uh, uh, I'm better than, and, and he wasn't really liked in the clubhouse. Um, he, he was, he was like I said, you know, he went to Yale with the pedigree. And, you know, like, you know that guy that's always, like, smarter than you and always has the answers? That was Mr. P. I nicknamed him Mr. Perfect. But that being said, like I said, he did keep us in ball games, But like, the worst big game pitcher he ever won on the Hill, though, trust me on that. 
But but that being like I said, and and he's been doing well in the booth. But the problem is when when you play at the highest level, meaning whether it's Major League Baseball or in broadcasting and doing network stuff, now your credibility is shot because what he did, he didn't like 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 just change the story around. He flat out made up a, a, a stone cold lie. And and by the way, the first players to come and, and support me and, and to come and tell the truth was Doc Gooden. Daryl Strawberry and Kevin Mitchell, okay? And by the way, Backman as well, and, and Barry Lyons. I can keep going. I, mean, right. I can keep naming them. Mookie will, too. Right. No, I spoke to seven of them, and they all okay. said flat out this is a lie. So what, here, wait, what, let, me, what? let me give you one other piece okay. of evidence, AJ. All right, which, which, okay. which. Okay, all right. I'm moving so, All right, so, all right, let's say, all right, the, the whole story is Ron Darling said that Oil Can heard this, became unnerved okay. by it. So that means he's saying that he witnessed Lenny right. saying it, oil can hearing it. All right, pitchers never forget, never forget. Case yeah. in point: Game Seven of the same World Series, Strawberry homers off of Al Nepper takes longer to get around the bases than Bartolo Colon. All right, <laughs> yeah. basically, and, and so the the Red Sox, you know, felt he was showboating. First exhibition game the next season, first at bat, Al Nepper nails Straw, benches clear, and there's a fight in exhibition. Lenny faced, you know, he faced oil can. Three more at-bats in that particular game, 12 more in the regular season, was never hit by a pitch by, by Oil Can Boyd. I will say this, though. Ron Darling did hit Lenny Dykstra once with a pitch in their career. So wouldn't you think, first of all, winning the World Series two games to none, Oil Can Boyd, who is, he's been on the show, he is a huge Negro League devotee, history of the game. Yeah. If he was hearing stuff worse, and that's also an insult to Jackie Robinson, I'm sorry. That's also an area you don't go to that said that, that he was, you know, heaving stuff worse than Jackie Robinson heard the first time around the league. Don't you think he comes high and in tight with the first pitch? I mean, again, the bottom line is, look, if somebody lies, okay, they're a liar, okay? If somebody steals, they're a thief. So, so now the fans got to wonder when he tells his stories, like, is it true? Is it not true? The credibility issue now in a crazy way, it's turned my way. I, this guy, Darling's actually made me credible because of his, like, <laughs> like, like incomprehensible lie. I mean, and what, what he did is, 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 it's more than about me. I, I can, I, you know, I, I've taken, I can take pretty much anything. When you've been where I've been and, and seen what I've seen and you know what I know, like, you can't really hurt me. But what he did is he hurt the fans, he hurt the organization, he hurt the team, and, and, and that's, that's just wrong. And, and for him to do that in a book, which, which, again, I mean, there's no money made in books. It's so it comes back to ego. It's all about ego, and his ego got in the way, and, and he made a bad decision. I would kind of agree with you there that it does hurt the fans because I, I believe Ron Darling telling these stories in the booth during a game is is what Mets fans like we we have here are are looking for. And now when he's telling those stories. You look at him differently. Yeah. yeah. Even if you believe him or not, you're looking at it differently, and it kind of it changes the way that you're listening and watching to a game. But, Lenny, you, you say that, you know, this doesn't hurt you. And I don't know how it doesn't because, listen, you are you, – with all well, – you know, and, and you'll, you'll well, understand we, this word because you, you've been taking Talmudic lessons. With all your Mishagas, okay, well, people still love Lenny Dykstra what, because what he did on the field and the energy he brought. Now, you know – this is like, I don't know. I mean, how does it look, not hurt you? Because look at the source. I mean, look, I know what I did. I know what I, by the way, the things that I've done wrong, I've owned them, okay? I've seen things and I've went, I've brought. 
you know, I've, I've, I've taken ownership of them, and uh, there's things that I've done that I'm not proud of. I'm not going to deny that, but but did I do what Ron Darling said? Absolutely not, with 100% certainty. And you can tell by, by the way Darling speaks, how hesitant he is, how unsure he is about what to say and how to say it. And like, like when he said, I have a bunch of players that, that have texted me saying they're in support of me. Well, name one. Where's one of them? I haven't seen one of them. So Mark and I had this discussion earlier in the week when you talked about you were going to sue. And he talk, asked me to talk about my experience, my years in the newspaper right. business. So the question I want to ask and, and my, you. My years dealing, running an investigative reporting right. team at Newsday and dealing with, with our Newsday's libel lawyer, you know, from my entire career, all sorts of sensitive stories. Right. So someone comes with, so Ron quest, Darling so comes quest, with you with this story. Is, what, what, what do you well, do? Well, there, there are two issues here. One is, if this gets to court, now you talked about you're going to sue. And, and unfortunately, you know, there are some people who consider it libel-proof. That the reputation is such, and believe whether it's true or not, that there's some things you can say, and people tend to believe it. So I don't know. Does Darling believe that you're libel-proof? Are you, in fact? I don't know. Is it a situation where you get, you sue, you get to court? You have to have fact-checking. See, you're missing the whole point. See, I wrote a book, so I know what you go through. I had yeah. 20 lawyers calling me on every story yeah. I told, yeah. and so there was no, not one single time that I received a call from anybody from St. Bart's, whatever they are, the press, and. Yeah. Or, or the, uh, the, the ghostwriter or Darling. And, and, and by the way, um, you know, so when you make accusations like that, you better make sure they're backed up by, by facts, okay? And so, like, the stuff I wrote about Robert De Niro, HarperCollins, the, 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 the biggest publishing house in the world, I mean, they must have called 20 people to, to make sure that story was true. Because if it's not, you can't print it, especially about somebody in the, in the public eye and, some as sensitive as this. Uh, I mean, he crossed a line that that is not like like a little line. He crossed a whole like street, man, and and went into an area that no one's. It was like everyone. I was in shock. I was in disbelief when I read that. I was like, what? So so let's let's yeah. let's back let's back up for a second then, because he says something very interesting. You said a respected publisher, and St. Martin's Press is a respected publisher, right. would not allow this to get in to print because basically. They get sued as well as the Absolutely, author because right. they printed it, uh, and and they're the deep pocket per se. That's who you go after because they have the money. So, if you assume that they are as respected and as careful a publishing house as Harper Collins, and I think they are because they're a respected press, yeah. they may have or you know what would happen? Can you believe that they didn't do it in this one instance, or is there somebody out there just talking for second money that is backing Roundup and we don't know it yet? There's nobody because it's not true. I mean, the bottom line is, first of all, in Boston, you are right on top. The fans are right on top of you. I'm talking about literally, like, you can almost touch them, okay? Backman's right there. Hernandez, Hernandez, I mean, I don't blame him. He had to say, you know, the, to be politically correct, he didn't booth with the guy. So he couldn't, like, go all the way and say, like, Ron's full of you-know-what. So he had to kind of, like, play both sides of the fence, but at the end of the day, Hernandez denied it as well. And, and everyone will deny it because it's not true. It's a flat-out lie, and, but, it, but it's a lie that affects more than just Lenny Dykes. Uh, what we did and what we accomplished, and it drove kind of a stake right to the heart of that whole 86 you know, miracle season. You know? Yeah, we, Lenny, move the, the phone a little closer to you. We lost you for a second. You there? Hello? Hello? Lenny? Hello? Oh, there you That's go. Much All right, much better, yeah. 
So right, I mean oh, that, I, that I is. I know what happened. That's all right. So, we got you. But but that's that's what Ryan was saying. It it, it takes away okay. from that. And listen, you know the stuff on the plane that was just like you know, you know Perlman's book. Just added, book, yeah. Yeah, added to the, the bad boy mentality. But so, this is so different than the bad so boy let's, mentality. Exactly. Let's, talk, let's talk about another book, just because he passed away a week right. and a half ago. And you did a book with Marty Noble. And Yeah, Marty's great, man. And to talk, talk a little bit about Marty and what you know, what you remember in, in Marty's book about the 86, about you and the 86 Mets. Yeah, I mean, Marty was like, you know, Marty was an icon. I mean, he was with, with I mean... I don't know, thirty some years. I mean, yeah. Marty was at my book signing, by the way, in, in, in Long Island, and 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 Marty was sat in my house um, and basically wrote every single thing that happened because I, I didn't know how to do it at that point. And and so again, it gets it gets back to the fact that thirty three years later, out of nowhere, Darling Pearl Harbor's everybody with. And it wasn't like a little bit bad. It was really bad. Yeah. I mean, like he, he went, he went to a level. I mean, he's bringing Jackie Robinson into the mix. I mean, come on, man. Right. That that also to me was a, a huge insult for the the Robinson man. And also what he did with Gary Carter. Like, come on. And, and the yeah, way he did it, the way he did it was like backhanded. And, and what he's saying is trying to make himself better. Like he insulted. Gary Carter, but made it seem like he admired Gary Carter for taking nothing to chance. The story was that he can't, like he, yeah. he set up the whole camera Carter thing from Montreal. Yeah, and, yeah. And then See, so here's what Darling's mo is: Darling comes across, he tries to come off like he's real humble, okay? Like he's a humble guy. Not a humble guy. Okay, it's all an act, okay? Like, like I again, there's some things I can tell you that I, I don't want to say in the air, but I know when he was living in California. Some of the things that he got involved with, there's some things that have been publicly um, written already about his tax problems and and uh, issues going on there. And and but again, I'm not going to like. It's not a mudsling contest. This is about did it or did it not happen? And we're talking about was I shouting at oil can void? Whatever he's talking about. I mean, like, who wouldn't have heard that? I mean, if Ron Darling heard it at the end of the bench down there. Why didn't Davey hear? Why did Why didn't anyone else hear it? I mean, why wasn't it a story in the next day? In the it's just it's, it's crazy. He, did, he, he well so, he crossed the line that he can. And again, when you do that at the highest level, okay, when you want to make the big bucks, okay, there's a price and there's consequences. So he's going to have to. There's going to have something's going to have to be done because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've noticed he's been gun shy in that booth for, for, for you know so far, you know. I agree. There's definitely a different tenor coming out of him in the booth. So, you know, in closing about this story, before we move on, what is it that you'd like to see coming out of all this? Uh, you know, have you consulted a lawyer? Are you moving ahead with a lawsuit? Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be filed like Tuesday. I mean, it'll be filed against Darwin and the, 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 the writer. And by the way, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that the writer hasn't said one thing yet? Um, very interesting. But, but and then St. Martin's Press... Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day there, I mean, I'm doing that because that's what I have to do. I mean, I can't let somebody just fire away and make up lies about me. But but, but worse than that is, is money doesn't replace what he did to the fans. And now the fans start thinking. And it basically opened up doors that nobody wanted to walk through. And, and because you walked through those doors where Ron Darling went, they slam right in your face, right in Ron's face, and and he's finding that out right now. Nobody will back him up. 
If they do, they're just going to lie with them, and they're not going to do it. So let's talk Torah wait, wait, for a hold second. Hold on, hold on. No, this, no, this, wait, this wait, fits, wait. This fits uh, right uh, now, Mark. Hold on, no. But this before fits, I let him go, fits. all right, I'm going to get it. I'm going to transition for you. I know you, okay. you've been waiting all day no, to get this. No, no, So no. before I let you go, I have to say the Uber driver, the illegal rooming house, your neighbors complaining, the new teeth, the darling story, all of those take a backseat to the most fascinating Lenny Dykstra story of the year. Okay. Um, if, if you, like I said, had Google alerts, you'd find out that Lenny is learning the Talmud by taking the classes... Torah. Torah, not Talmud. No, no, Talmud, Talmud. right? Uh, by taking classes with Chabad Rabbi Shmuel Metzger. Lenny, yeah. you, what's this all about? And then AJ wants to jump well, in on this. What is this all about? I mean, it's about one thing. It's, uh, I'm on a spiritual journey, man. I mean, I'm trying to find out, does God exist? You know, I mean, it's one of the most debated questions in, in the world. So, um, um, again, so I, um, you know... The best man at my wedding was Bert Brodsky, who's um, um, like my Jewish mentor, and he's worth $4 billion now and, and in Port Washington. So, you know, again, I, I'm searching for that. You know, I want to try to get answers. I'm always going to try to get answers, and I surround myself with people a lot smarter than me, which is not hard to do because I'm actually smart enough. No, I'm not smart enough, if you know what I mean. So, so this week's... Oh, oh boy, here we go. Now, now, okay, people, now, now this people is, at this did, is, did never this is, expect it to hear this. All right, seven. go ahead. So, I'm, and and I'm this, this is actually the part of the Torah. Where it's very mechanical. These are the things. Last week was which birds are kosher, which birds are not kosher. Oh, no, I can't believe this, week, doing this. this week is Tasriya. <laughs> and part of the part of the Parsha talks about how to purify lepers. <laughs> do you how do you see the tie to your personal situation on this week's Torah push on purification of lepers? Well, I mean, it's because it's all about one thing. It's about honesty, man. It's about reality, and it's about truth. And 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 that's that's at the end of the day, you have to be able to wake up knowing that you treated people the way you want to be treated. And and Darwin didn't do that. And, and again, I I come back to it again. It's about ego. Darwin thought he could get away with it. He picked some soft targets. And he thought he could throw me in the mix. And he just—it's a mistake that's going to stay with him forever. And like I said, I, I believe it's going to cost him his job because it's—it's it's so bad, and there's been so much, so much written about it, and it's just going to get worse because Darling keeps trying to stand behind it, and now now his his saying is my recollection. Okay, well, recollection. Okay, well, first it was factual. That's Guns and Roses right there. <laughs> well, we've got Guns N' Roses Torah. That's my voicemail. <laughs> I love it. Wow. Uh, you, no, okay. you're I, sorry. Like, I, 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 it's okay. But uh, it's been Trump calling. <laughs> Making sure don't reveal anything about so, the so meeting. So speaking about Donald Trump, so check it out. Oh no. So, like, like, yeah. Wait, that's just the. the okay, stop. So Guns N' Roses right there. But Donald Trump, you're talking about. So. I was in, he invited me to the U.S. Open to, to watch the U.S. Open in his suite. So I get up there and there's, there's, uh, uh, Lenny Kravitz and there's P. Diddy or P. Daddy, whatever his name is this week, huh? Um, and. Lenny, you there? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, now we do. I was on P. Diddy, P. Daddy, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, and so Donald walks in and it was almost like, he was such a politician, um, like, but it was more calm and collected opposed to when he ran for president. I mean, that was all a show he put on, and and 
Um, but I've never heard so many women that hate a man so much as they do him. <laughs> is it because of the hair or something, or what is it? I, I can't go there with the hair. You know that. Right. I have none. So it's like, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Like political, political, political. You know, I mean, you know, me and Marla Maples have been DMing, you know, each other, um, direct messaging. Because you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, like I said, well, I can't vote because I'm a convicted felon. So, but I can run for president. So, oh my, no! My, my, so, my are, you, would be, are you yeah, vote for vote for me since I can't? <laughs> All right, so oh. there you go. All right, so we've covered the Torah, and Lenny has just declared that he's going to be running right. for president. I think we've been with Marla Maples, not with Marla Maples on the ticket. All right, Lenny. By the way, she was hot too when she was 32. <laughs> I mean, gasoline. I mean. <laughs> Unadulterated heat, but he, he kind of like this just hurt, didn't he? Oh, absolutely. You, you, you had to take us there, Mark. I didn't. Take, really did. I did not take us there. All right. I'm just saying it was it was like a Georgia peach, man. You know. <laughs> okay. All right, Letty. Okay. okay. Thanks so much. Hey, good talking, guys. Commercial. You want to call me? The best time to reach me is 24 seven. You know that, right? I know that, Lenny. I'll speak to you soon. All Be right. good. All right. Thanks, John. Lenny Dykstra, 1986 World Champ, Talmudic Scholar, and Presidential Candidate.